A power-hungry employee doesn't know that I am the owner. I once owned a computer store with one of my friends. As we started to grow, we found it was becoming more and more difficult to handle all the in-store repairs as well as the out-of-store work that we had coming in. We decided that we needed somebody for the front counter. Unfortunately, I went on vacation when my partner had hired her. Not that this was a problem as we knew what we needed and I knew he could find someone. When I returned from vacation, I had some out-of-town work that needed to be done with a high dollar clients. This work took another two weeks, so I had not had the chance to meet the new employee. The first day back just happened to be the same day my partner started his vacation. I walk in. Hi, you must be the new employee. I'm the power mad bee cuts me off and says, I don't care who you are. What can I help you with? I don't see you with a computer. What are you looking for? I say, excuse me? The power mad bee says, you should be. What do you need? I have a lot to do to open the store. I say, Sorry, I don't think you understand who I am. She tells me, You're no one important. I say, Oh, really? You do know I could have you unemployed one hour. She tells me, Oh, yeah, whatever. I personally know the owner. He hired me personally. I doubt he would fire me. Get out of the store before I call the cops. I say, I doubt he would want you to treat people like trash. But yeah, that's a good idea. Let's call the cops. Okay, here we go. I'm calling them. Great, I say. I pull out my cell phone and I call my partner. Hey, I know you're on vacation, dude, but I think we have an employee problem. PMB, the power mad B, was very rude when I walked in this morning. I attempted to tell her who I was, but she wouldn't let me get that far. Now she's calling the cops to have me removed. Yeah, I can hand you over. One sec. Oh, who is this? Someone who's playing the part of the owner now? I know what he sounds like. I hand her the phone. She now has two phones to her head. My cell phone and the office phone, which may or may not have had the police on the line. I still don't know if she ever did call the police. I hear him laying into her. I couldn't hear the conversation. However, I did ask him later. Here's the basics. My partner said, I basically told her I'm tired of her holier than thou attitude and if she can't accept people coming into the store and interrupting her, she is not cut out to work in the store anymore. I told her, she just told the other owner that they're not welcome. Pack up your stuff. She would no longer be needed. PMB hangs up the office phone and hands my cell phone back to me with tears in her eyes. I say, you You want me to work up some termination paperwork? My partner tells me, yeah, let me know how it turns out. I have a stack of applications on my desk. I'll see you in a week. I say, hey, PMB, you got your paycheck Friday, correct? PMB nods, yes. Awesome. I owe you about $5 for the 30 minutes you wasted today. I take 10 minutes to type up the reason for the termination, all while she sits in a chair bawling like a two-year-old. Thanks. Don't let the door smack your butt on the way out. I walk over to the register, pull out a five, and point her towards the door. We never saw her again. Update from the future. It's become very clear from many of the comments that none of you have ever been a business owner. To each their own. Many things will happen in your life that when you tell someone else, they won't believe you. That's fine. If you don't believe, then don't believe. It doesn't bother me. So was I the jerk for firing this employee? Just the fact that this employee cut off the owner before the owner could even say anything is really all you need to know because insert any person being in that position. If it wasn't the owner, let's say it was a customer. A customer is in that position. They come in the store, they don't have a computer, and this employee is basically going to berate them because they're wasting their time and they have a lot to do to set up the store. I mean, the whole reason you set up the store is to sell to customers. So she was obviously acting under the assumption that this was a customer, and why would you ever treat a customer like that? That could have been a customer that works for a giant business and wanted to buy a huge bulk order of 100 computers, but wouldn't want to anymore because who would want to be treated like that? Nobody. You have to really be easily agitated to immediately reach for, I'm calling 
calling the cops based on one brief uncomfortable moment with a customer. I've seen people get like this when a lot of bad stuff has already happened earlier that day, but from the sounds of this, this was at the very start of the workday. She was still setting up. So if this was your employee, would you have fired them or would you have given them another chance? Let me know down below in jerk or not a jerk and why. Before we jump into the next story, if you guys don't know, we actually have a second channel where you can hear some personal stories. There's a link to subscribe to that down below in the description. And you can of course always submit your stories as well. My new boss tries to demand that we work overtime for free. Enjoy trying to open the store with no employees. First off, I'm a non-native English speaker. Secondly, unfortunately, this story came back into my mind due to the recent death of the hero of the story. Grumpy, you will be missed. I met Grumpy in Narcotics Anonymous. He volunteered there after they helped him and became my sponsor. Seeing that I was trying to get my act together, he offered me my first job out of high school. Grumpy was a manager of a store for a company that sold everything you needed to build a house, from cements and bricks to custom-made cupboards. I started as a loader, filling trucks that were making deliveries. A little background for the company. It plays an important role later. When they started back in the early 80s, they sold everything you needed to build a brick-and-mortar home wholesale to professionals. During their first expansion, they got a really good reputation for their prices of power tools, custom cupboards, and landscaping, including custom-made garden furniture. The stores were basically big warehouses. In the mid-90s, they opened their doors to the general public, which accompanied by a rising trend of do-it-yourself DIY skyrocketed their sales. That brought a second, smaller wave of expansion and the opening of the online store, first only with phone orders and then later with a proper site. When I joined, they were doing a third shift on their business plan. They had cut down on things that weren't a big seller, like bricks and concrete, and were focusing more on the big sellers custom-made furniture, landscaping tools, and for some weird reason, plumbing. My first eight months on the job were a dream. Grumpy was an excellent manager. Having started in the company at roughly the same age that I was and being promoted to the ranks, he had developed a very distinct managerial style. His concept was simple. If my employees are happy, they work better and provide better services, which leads to better sales. That meant while Grumpy managed one of the inner city stores, meaning medium to small size compared to the others, we were fourth in revenue, nationwide and first in customer happiness. And then the reason for his nickname struck. While everyone called him Grumpy, a nickname he was kind of proud of, he was far from it. The reason was he had a medical condition that affected his nerves and had left him with a permanent frown on his face. He had declined a promotion due to that condition, knowing the extra stress would make his condition flare up, meaning he wouldn't be as effective as he would like. His medical condition flared up unexpectedly and Grumpy had to be hospitalized and be on sick leave for a time. Headquarters decided not to have one of Grumpy's assistants be an acting manager for the duration, but instead bring in a regional manager to take over the store for the duration. Let's call him Wilhelm. Wilhelm was the exact opposite of Grumpy. He was younger than Grumpy. He was in his late 20s and Grumpy was in his late 30s. He had a business degree and hadn't worked the floor at all. He was hired from the beginning as an office drone and then climbed his way to regional manager. The reason he was put in charge of our store had to do with the change of the business plan of the company. You see, the change of focus had created a lot of empty space in the stores. A supermarket chain had approached the company with an offer to rent the empty space, especially for inner city stores. The company had accepted and placed regional managers in key stores to help with integration. The thing is, the supermarket chain had a reputation of being bad employers. That was reinforced to us by one of our tellers who had worked for them for three years before quitting to join us. Wilhelm also didn't help. His managerial style was based in only one concept, make more money in any way possible. He started changing our schedule from monthly to weekly 
weekly, changing the sales targets to unrealistic heights, and always demanded more. In the first two weeks, six inexperienced people had left. Four quit and two were fired, and were replaced by young, inexperienced people that were easier to manipulate. And then the integration happened. The floor was the first to feel the problem. The supermarket opened its doors and was understaffed. Wilhelm started sending people over to help for four to six hours, while also demanding to work their regular shifts. If someone declined, he or she was written up. Two write-ups in six months and you were fired. Then Wilhelm came to lay the law down in the loading bay. The loading bay was shared between the two stores. Wilhelm declared that we had first helped the two guys of the supermarket unload their trucks first because their products were perishable and then started loading our own trucks. That would throw our delivery schedule to the wind. The loading crew worked from 5 in the morning until 1 p.m. We loaded the first trucks that had longer to travel so they would be ready to leave at 7. The company had a next day delivery policy for a 150 mile radius. What Wilhelm declared meant we couldn't start loading our trucks before 7.30. And they couldn't start their routes before 9.30. We said as much, but Wilhelm didn't care. He said we had to do both jobs. When someone inquired about overtime, Wilhelm said no. He said we already made too much money with unsocial hours between 5 and 8 and leaving early, so he wouldn't approve overtime. So, from a nice environment that you wanted to work for, we all started getting miserable. We lost 10 people in the loading crew in a month because of the new rules. The new hires didn't last long. The floor was a mess and started turning personnel faster than a dollar lady of the night. Anyone who's staying is either looking for another job, is afraid of unemployment, or is too young to know better. The sales had a very small decline, but the customer happiness plummeted fast. After almost six months, all the old guard that was left was ready to quit, but our savior came back. Almost six months from the day he was hospitalized, Grumpy walks in the store to claim his rightful position. He isn't a knight in shining armor, riding a pure white horse, carrying a legendary sword. He is in normal attire, slightly limping and holding a cane. We have a welcome back party and have a small glimmer of hope now that he is back. We are informed that Grumpy will be on light duties for two weeks before he becomes a manager again. Despite Grumpy being back, Wilhelm still remains the regional manager, which means he outranks Grumpy and makes it very clear in private meetings with all of us. If he caught us complaining to Grumpy, we were as good as gone. Still, a few of us are planning to have a meeting with Grumpy after the weeks, letting him getting his sea legs back. But another department had other ideas. During his reign of terror, the only department that Wilhelm couldn't control was the workshop. He knew that if he treated them as bad as he did to us, they would quit and the sales would go from a small decline to bottom of the barrel real quick. As I said, custom-made furniture was the number one seller, so the head carpenter had a meeting with Grumpy on the second day about the future of the workshop. In reality, the guy spilled his beans on Wilhelm. With the pre text of catching up with the changes, Grumpy was meeting with everyone, learning what Wilhelm had done and why we had so many new staff. You could feel he was getting angrier with every meeting. He also had an eye-opening meeting with the manager of the supermarket. Finally, the time had come when he became manager again. The revenge. On his first day back as manager, Grumpy notifies everyone of a mandatory meeting after the store is closed. He has a solution. So gather in the store after closing hours and Grumpy lays out the plan. For the next couple of days, nobody except him is coming to the store. If anyone calls us, we should direct them to him, which we did when we started getting calls about the store being closed. Grumpy's answer to headquarters was simple. The staff was working on a second job during their shifts, which is a breach of contract, so I had to fire them all and find new staff. That caught headquarters' attention because nothing of the sort was reported in the last six months. They asked Grumpy for evidence, which he happily provided 
with our written testimonies, which brought on a lot of trouble for Wilhelm. You see, Wilhelm had an arrangement with the supermarket manager. He got a kickback from our unpaid labor for the supermarket, and the manager offered the same thing to Grumpy. He also included that Wilhelm regularly declined to sign over time, which meant that if any one of us went to the labor department, the company would get a really huge fine. The aftermath. Wilhelm got quickly fired. We all received calls to interview with the company for an open position. We all received severance pay for our firing, plus most of the unpaid overtime, about 80% of it. Almost all of us went back to work with a small pay raise based on experience. The company took a long, hard look on the supermarket chain and distanced themselves from them. They stayed until their lease was over, but no shared employees anymore, and a lot of theirs jumped ship over to our side. Next time Grumpy had to take time off, one of his assistants took over. Two of them did a stellar job, leading to being promoted in managers of other stores. Grumpy brought back his usual managerial style, leading again to the rise of sales and customer happiness. I left the job three years later for a better paying position, but I still remember Grumpy as one of the best managers I ever had. So, was I the jerk for the role I played in the revenge? The core issue that everything stems from is the fact that Wilhelm has a managerial style where his only goal is to make money in any way possible, but he ends up shooting himself in the foot because cutting all these corners, treating everyone bad, maybe, maybe would lead to some sort of short-term monetary gain, but in the long term, you're going to lose. I think pretty much anyone that has worked for a long time will realize that Grumpy's philosophy is a lot more true. If you just treat people well, they're much more likely to put their heart into their work instead of trying to cut corners because you're trying to cut corners. It's such a simple concept that somehow so many people that get into a position of power seem to completely miss. And if you were to ask Wilhelm, they would probably justify it by saying, well, I wanted to show short-term results because I'm not going to stick around here for the long term. And if that's where he's coming from, then there's a problem with the incentive structure of the company itself that allows a situation like that to happen in the first place. So let me know what you guys think of this revenge down below. Was it justified or was it going too far? And jerk or not a jerk and why? Am I the jerk for refusing? refusing to support my son's pregnant girlfriend until she takes a paternity test. My son is 24 years old and his girlfriend is also 24. They've only been together for six months and she is apparently four months pregnant with his baby. They've actually been friends since high school and so my husband and I have known her for a few years as well. She is a lovely girl, but honestly she is not someone I had hoped would be the mother to my first grandchild. First of all, she is a recovering addict and a lush. And while she says she has been clean for three years, a relapse is always possible. She only finished high school with her GED and she now works as a waitress full time. Her parents died years ago, so she is largely on her own. Our family is considerably better off and my son is joining his father's business, meaning his salary will be quite high and will only continue to grow. Since my son first told us she is pregnant, it can't escape my mind that he may not really be the father and that she picked him out of potential others because he would be the best in terms of support. My son is pushing us to help her with some of her pregnancy expenses and I told him that we would under the condition that she get a paternity test first. He completely blew up at that, accusing us of disliking her, which is untrue, and not wanting us to be grandparents also untrue. He says that he loves her and he trusts her and that he can't wait to meet his baby. I get that, but I think he's being idealistic. If he wants our support, we want a paternity test first. If the baby is truly his, then we would be happy to welcome her into our family and we would be happy to 
help her out. There have been a lot of responses to this post and it's a pretty even mix of jerk and not a jerk. So clearly the only thing everyone can agree with is that it's gotten complicated. I've gotten messages calling me an idiot, calling my son an idiot. I have gotten messages from the MGTOW subreddit telling me that the girlfriend is clearly a lying sociopath. I have also gotten messages from men who have found out their child wasn't theirs after several years who wish they had found out sooner. It's a lot to read and a lot to think about. Many people have called out my attitude towards this girl and I'll be honest, it's making me think. Jumping into the future, there is an update. After my original post, I talked to my son and asked him what kind of financial help he had in mind. According to him, since she does not have insurance, many of her medical costs were adding up and he wanted to help her with those. A lot of people asked me why my adult son was reliant on us, but to us, that's not unusual. He is a recent graduate and while he will be making a decent salary soon, he has just entered the workforce and does not have much in the way of savings. Plus, our family has always believed in helping each other out. If my daughter was pregnant, we would no doubt help her. I expressed my desire for the paternity test for his benefit, but he would not budge on that. I tried to warn him of the countless stories of fathers duped into parenting children that weren't his, but he was certain. A couple weeks later, his girlfriend actually reached out to me herself. We met up and she told me she was embarrassed he had asked for financial help on her behalf, as she did not want to take on any assistance. This surprised me as I assumed she was the one pushing for the money. She was uncomfortable with the paternity test idea, but said she would look into it if it bridged the peace between me and my son. With COVID, the paternity test never ended up happening. It just wasn't a priority. Over the past few months, I have been talking with them more and more, and my husband and I bought them a substantial gift for their new home as a gesture of apology and goodwill. We did offer financial help, but my son refused it. By the time the baby was born, I had gone to know his girlfriend better and was warming up to her joining our family. She truly is a delightful young woman, more so than I gave her credit for. The baby was born seven weeks ago. It's a boy, and my son is absolutely thrilled. I have not got to meet him yet, but I have gone to see him over video chat and in photos. He looks like my son. It's not an exact resemblance, but I can see my son in this little boy's face. Enough that paternity doubts are firmly in the back of my mind. Truthfully, I have fallen in love with this little boy, and watching my son grow into becoming a father has been the proudest thing in my life. If I had missed this, I would have never forgiven myself. So, was I the jerk for refusing to support my son's pregnant girlfriend until she took a paternity test originally? In this situation, I don't think the OP is a jerk for asking for proof before providing financial support, but the thing that does come off as being a jerk is perceiving someone only as an amalgamation of their negative traits. I mean, even though the girl is an addict, she is recovering, and being clean for three years is a big accomplishment. Of course, a relapse is always possible, but it's your money. You can request a paternity test if you want without casting judgment or trying to assume what her intentions were by saying because she has all these issues in the past, she's most likely faking the pregnancy because my son's family has more money. I could see situations where it was more directly related, like she was a known scammer or she had done something sort of related in the past. But if she's a recovering addict, she probably doesn't want to go back in that direction. And that's probably why she was shocked to find out that the son was asking the parents for money because that's not what she wanted. With these type of situations, there's so much nuance. It's always hard to tell unless you actually meet these people. We're just going off of what we've seen here. So what do you think of this whole thing? Do you think the OP was originally a jerk or not a jerk and why? Let me know down below. Can my parents force a paternity test? My wife was assaulted. She got pregnant and the baby could be mine or the person who assaulted her. We decided to keep the baby and raise it as mine. We never wanted to have a paternity test done on the baby because this could be devastating to her relationship with my wife. I am a massive moron and after my daughter was born, I let slip to my parents that she might not be mine biologically. I tried to 
backtrack, but my parents kept pushing and pushing until my wife sat them down and explained the situation. They do not believe her. They think that she cheated and that she's using me. Now my parents have approached me about taking a paternity test. They want me to contest paternity and leave my wife. I do not want to. I have made a commitment to my wife and my daughter and I stand by it. I trust my wife. My parents don't. They told me that if I refuse, they will go to the courts and compel me to do a paternity test to absolve me of responsibility for the baby. They want me to leave my wife regardless. I am planning to cut contact with my parents over this, but is there any way that they can legitimately force me to do a paternity test? Is there something I can do to prevent this or fight them? We are located in Rhode Island. Update from the future. Pretty soon after I posted, I received a letter in the mail from a lawyer that basically said that my parents were demanding a paternity test on the basis of grandparents' rights. I knew from my post that it was unlikely that a lawyer would take this case, so I googled the law firm and the lawyer's name. I couldn't find the lawyer's name anywhere, but the law firm was real, so I reached out to them. The letter was a fake, and the law firm was not happy. They asked for the letter and are pursuing some sort of legal action against my parents. I don't know exactly what's happening as I have not been in contact with my parents for a while. In other news, my daughter was recently diagnosed with a very minor skin condition that is fairly uncommon and that I also have, which means she's most likely mine after all. We still won't be doing a paternity test anytime soon, but it was helpful for our peace of mind. So what do you think we should do from here? Pretending to be a lawyer that works at a law firm that you have no association with sounds like a pretty big deal. I'm guessing that's something the law firm is probably going to want to sue for, for any damages to their reputation. When it comes to the parents, it sounds like both parents here, the OP and the wife are at peace with not taking the test. I think most people out there would take the test no matter what, but that's their decision and that's what they want to do. They don't want the test. And grandparents' rights, I don't even know if that's a real thing, but clearly if it is, it's not a very strong thing to go off of because they had to fake a lawyer in order to get action taken. So let me know what your theories are on this whole situation. What do you think is going to happen? Let me know down below. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. I'll see you guys next time.